0: Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, welcome, all of you uh, watching online, all of our campuses, McKinney, Prosper, Frisco West, all of us here at Frisco East. How many are feeling good today? You like the, the new set design? They like the, no, this is not our new set design. It's VBS. We got VBS starting Monday, and there's still some room. So, if you have neighbors, children, grandchildren that you want to sign up for our VBS all week, it's, it's just a great ministry. It's a great time where they learn and grow in, in the Lord. And so, the set at, at all of our campuses, as you'll see, is they kind of got a head start. So, uh, the theme is treasured, and every life is treasured. So, when I say that, um, Roe v. Wade decision today, by the, uh, uh, this week, by the Supreme Court. I know in, in our church, um, there, probably not all of us disagree uh, on every little issue, and this is one of those issues that is culturally, even in the Christian community, um, a little controversial. But as a leader, as a pastor of this church, sometimes it is important to provide leadership and clarity, and I do that not with a uh, prideful or a uh, powerful type of attitude, in the sense of uh, condemnation or anything like that. But but just for clarity, uh, because I don't think there's any mistake when you read Scripture, and especially Psalm one thirty nine, Jeremiah one, what the Lord thinks about those being formed in the womb. And I know there's some complications with some of those things, but I want to read a statement that I couldn't have read or written better myself. And my heart for all of us is that we approach life starting with scripture and then we go from there. We don't start our lives birthed or starting with circumstances or feelings. And the the generation that we're raising up right now rather than going to scripture and probably not just the young generation but a lot of us rather than going to scripture we go to what we feel or we go to what we uh, are experiencing in our circumstances guys let me help you and you know this we're based and birthed out of scripture here today is going to be a ton of scripture but we birth and we base our lives from scripture and then we go from there and we trust god with the rest so um Having said that, Dr. Tony Evans, uh, pastor of uh, Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship, he spoke at our men's conferences past, uh, a few months ago, May, and um, man, great statement, uh, I helped him write it, sent in some thoughts, uh, he, needed, he needed my wisdom and help. I want to read it, and, I, and let me say this, again, if you are on the other side of this, I want you to know that I love you, and, and I'll give you a hug, uh, I disagree with you. Uh, but at the same time, we as the body of Christ need to lead. Amen. We need to lead by talk and by action. So let me read this, and then I'll reify in just a minute. Uh, I join with the countless voices heard today, as well as those yet to be heard someday, those who will now have the opportunity to do so through the gift of life in giving God the glory for his sovereign hand in this historical decision by our Supreme Court. Christians everywhere ought to humbly... It's an important words, celebrate this decision to overturn the 1973 ruling of Roe v. Wade. This decision removes the federal constitutional right to an abortion and returns abortion laws to the states, some of which plan to restrict or ban abortions altogether. Sorry, in addition to the saving of countless lives of our collective humanity, this decision also positions us more fully to intercede on behalf of God's mercy on our nation in order to reverse the crime epidemic. Interesting thought here, but stay with me. This is, so because, this is so because Scripture states that when innocent blood is shed, we can expect more innocent blood in the society to be shed through violence and oppression, Psalm 106, Joel 3, 19. Thus, a decrease in the number of abortions can lead to a decrease in violent crime. At the heart of the abortion debate stands the amago dei, that's Latin, Attacking the unborn is tantamount to attacking God since all life is created in his image, imago dei, dei, image of God, including the life developing in the womb, Psalm 139. While celebrating and giving God praise for his movement in this momentous space and time, we must also not lose sight of the fact that the imago dei equally applies, and this is important, to protecting the dignity of people once they are born. James 3, Psalm 8. Therefore, anything that demeans the value of people's lives must be addressed with the same fervor and passion that has been given to preserving the life of the unborn. All forms of the denial of justice and human dignity, whether racism, classism, or degradation of any kind, must be viewed and addressed in terms of and in respect to the image of God. It is time for God's people to lead The way in promoting a whole life agenda, I want you to remember that, whole life agenda from the womb to the tomb, as we simultaneously proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and the gift of forgiveness he offers to all who come to him for it. While doing so, may we never forget to show compassion to those who have experienced abortion as well as kindness to those, listen to this, who believe differently than we do on this issue or any other issue. Lastly, men, this is from Dr. Tony Evans, he's 70-something years old, and so he's speaking as a father to to many of us that are younger. Lastly, men, my statement to you remains as it has always been. You are to live responsible lives in your actions and decisions. Men should be held personally and and financially accountable for the children they help to produce, whether planned or unplanned, both... But most importantly, women should never have to bear the challenges of unplanned pregnancy on their own. We as the body of Christ should come alongside those in need through spiritual and tangible support, Dr. Tony Evans. A uh, brilliant statement. <clears throat> and let me, let me just read a couple of things uh, with this decision. If you come on the side of that you're really happy and excited, then the way that you speak about it or post about it matters. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And the church in America has been a proud church, and God opposes that pride. We don't come with arrogance. We don't come with we're better and we're more self-righteous because we all come to the foot of the cross the same. We all have sin in our lives. So, so none of this is birthed, in, in my heart, birthed out of anything, but how do we base our life? And if you base your life on feeling or your circumstances, you're going to go the wrong direction but if you birth or base your life on scripture, on what does God say, and then you go from there. Now, we may disagree with, with, with what you come out with. That's fine. I'm gonna love you and hope you'll love me. But, but as the church, our words, listen to this, and our actions, how we support financially and help with those clinics that we already support here at Hope. I don't know if you knew that, but we support, I know, two in a major way um, that are here in our area that help bring free health care and help counseling, all those things uh, to uh, ladies that are uh, pregnant and don't know what to do. So there's a lot to this. I know that. It's complicated, and I know it would have been easier not to say something and just you just assume that you know how I feel, but I make no apologies ab- about how I believe or how I feel. It's just the way in which we as the body of Christ say these things are very important. Amen. And then that we put action to our words, okay? So that's where we are, and so make sure that uh, as as, we, as this comes up in the topic of conversation at work or whatever, that we approach this humbly and with grace and no condemnation. If you're here today, we're watching online, and, and you've experienced and you've walked through what we're talking about today, I can only imagine you just feel this weight or, or heaviness or even anger, whatever, Uh, Just know that we love you, and I love you, and God loves you more importantly, and he's got a plan for your life. Okay, so let's switch gears without a clutch, and let's go to uh, our Prosper Campus. I want to give you an update. This is the last month ending our quarter, our second quarter, for our uh, fundraising for for debt-free Prosper Campus, so all the Prosper Campus people over there. Guys, I love you, and we're excited. I want you to watch this video, and then I'll come back and talk about it just real quick. Here's prosper and the progress so far. That work is about less than a month uh, of what has gone on since we started Brook Ground. So, uh, man, excited about that. Now, here's where we are. We're $55,000 away from reaching our goal for the quarter. So who who would like? No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Uh, you can give online. You can text to give. You can give in the boxes uh, at every campus in the back of the auditorium. Man, if you're not with us on this journey, I invite you to do that. If you don't have it, totally fine. Uh, God is our, is our source, and I pray that we all doing our part can, can accomplish this together. Okay, so uh, summer series, so today I'm starting a five-week series on the book of Hebrews. This is not a verse-by-verse, exhaustive uh, series on this book, but Hebrews is a book in the New Testament, 13 chapters. We're going to spend five weeks, and today I have a lot of information a ton of information. So get your if if you do this. If you don't, I understand. But if you, if you want to take some pictures of the screen, going to give you a lot of stuff on the screen, a lot of scripture. We're going to go through the first four chapters of Hebrews, but let me give you the outline for the whole series. So for the next five weeks, we're going to read Hebrews together. I'll talk, to you about, talk about that in a minute. But uh, here's the outline. Starting today, we're going to look at Jesus 101, Hebrews 1 through 4. And then we're going to look next week at uh, the case for maturity. Uh, great. I'm looking forward to that one. Hebrews chapters 5 and 6. Week 3 is the sacrifice, or no, our great high priest uh, Hebrews 7 through 10, uh, week 4 is uh, living by faith, the great faith chapter in Hebrews 11. And then week 5 is keep it simple, Hebrews chapter 13. So this is kind of the outline, may change a little bit here and there, but that's basically where we're going. Uh, and to this, your homework for today uh, and this week is read Hebrews 1 through 4. So read the first four chapters of Hebrews this week if you can. I know maybe you have some Bible reading plans already going. I invite you to just join and add to that. Um, You get extra credit in heaven if you do that. So Hebrews 1 through 4 uh, is the homework for this week. So let's start off. i got a ton of information. Let's start off with um, I've got five observations of the first four chapters of Hebrews. Now, obviously, there are more. I totally get that, but these are the big ones that I saw uh, with starting with Jesus, and let me give you the background of Hebrews before I give you those five, and the background is the author is unknown, probably related, I'm mean, in my opinion, probably related to Paul in some way. There's a lot of Paul thought in Hebrews, uh, some think that he dictated it to somebody else. We don't know. But written about before 70 A.D., the destruction of the the temple in Jerusalem, uh, when Rome came in 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 Jerusalem and invaded and and destroyed the temple. We know it's probably before then. They've been going through persecution. Written primarily the purpose to Jewish believers, encouraging them to stand fast in their faith. So those who were converts uh, from their Jewish faith to following Jesus, It was a very hard time for them, and their their faith was waning, their theology was waning, they were getting tired and wondering, am I going the right direction? Did I make the right decision in following Jesus? So the writer of Hebrews masterfully lays the foundation. So remember, the context of this writing is to Jewish believers, so for us, as we look back 2,000 years, we go on, and this is elementary stuff. Man, I already knew this. I knew that. Jesus is this and Jesus. This. But you got to remember, they were new to this Christianity thing. When I say Christianity, I mean following Jesus. He was a Jew, but he was crucified. So, so they were like, man, believing that he rose from the dead And now they're trying to put their faith all together. First century, first few years of Christianity wasn't as easy, perhaps. Uh, Well, obviously, in many ways, wasn't as easy as it is today. Now, we're complicated in and of ourselves. But just know the context. And so the reason we're going through these things is because it's important that they understood that context. Okay. So here are the observations. Number one, Jesus is supreme. He's not just good He is not just, you know, uh, a a prophet. He's not just like Moses. He's not just like Abraham. Jesus is supreme. Hebrews chapter 1, let's go. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors. So again, another kind of understanding that the context is to those reading this, hearing this, were Jewish. Ancestors through the prophet's understanding the Old Testament. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains, holds up, holds together, everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater, he is supreme, he's far greater than the angels. Just as the name of God gave just like just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. Now let's go to verse 10 through 12 and let's see what he says there. He also says this to the Son, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you will remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. But you are always the same. You will live forever. Paul, in his letter to the Colossians really gives us great foundation that the writer of Hebrews does in this chapter, in this first chapter, in chapter one of Colossians. Here's what he says. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created. So talking about Jesus. In other words, remember the context. Remember that they're they're being reaffirmed in their faith in who Jesus is. That he's not just a prophet. He's not just Moses and, and David and one of the. He is the Son of God. He is the visible image of the invisible God, existed before anything was created, and a supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see or can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness, listen to that, God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. So when you see Jesus, when you hear Jesus, when you read Jesus, you're reading, seeing, hearing God. Through him God reconciled everything to himself he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So, I'm not going to belabor this point, but it's just good for us to understand that not only for them being reminded that Christ is supreme, he's not just another prophet, he is God's son, he is God, God the fullness of God lived in Jesus so that when you hear him and you see him and you read him that you're seeing reading hearing Jesus you're seeing the Father. Now, that's not just true for them, though. I want you to think about your circumstance and your marriage and your family and your business and your finances and your thing. Whatever it is that you may be facing right now, and we're, we live in weird times in our culture and in our, in our country the last two or three years, it's been, it, there's a, it's like a weight. I don't know if you know or feel that, I'm sure you do. This weight, it's not just COVID. There, there, is, there is this weight that, that we carry, even if we're joyful, even if we're pe- at peace with ourselves or our family. There is this weight that we carry, and I just, you just need to know, guys, that no matter what's going on in our world, no matter what's going on in our country, no matter what's going on in your family, Jesus is supreme. And he's on the throne and, and he, he is holding all of this together. And it may not seem like it right now because you're looking at the, at, at the at life through your circumstances, which is normal. We all do that. Let me help you to remember that Jesus is supreme even not just for the Jews, not just for the Jewish converts in the first century, but Jesus is supreme for you. And he's supreme in your situation. Now the second observation Quickly, let's go. Jesus is our sacrifice. Now, this is a, a big theme of Hebrews. That these, now just understand that the Jewish understanding of the Old Testament was based on sacrifice. For the sin that we commit. There had to be payment for sacrifice. God is holy and cannot, it cannot be permitted in God's holiness to just allow sin to go. There has to be a penalty for that. And so they would bring a sacrifice, Jewish old, you know, the law and and sacrificial ceremony and and worship. They would bring a sacrifice for their sin. In other words, something else would pay for their sin for a uh, short period of time. And then they would be made right with God. And then you continued that sacrifice and you continued that worship. Now, Jesus' sacrifice totally changes that. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels when he was birthed as a human, here came in human form. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. He became that sacrifice. Instead of you, instead of a lamb or a goat or a dove, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, his sacrifice, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. Now chapter 10 deals with this. I'm gonna skip ahead just in in this book, just for this one time. But Hebrews chapter 10 says, but our high priest, Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. I want you to get this scripture. So good in here. Good for all time, past, present, and future. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made footstool under his feet. For, that, for by that one offering, his life, his sacrifice, he forever, listen, forever made perfect those who are being made holy. So when you and I struggle we just go, we feel guilty and we feel like, man, I just, maybe you've been caught in addiction of some, time, of some kind, some pattern of sin. And, and every time I talk about it or every time it's talked about in small group or even on an online Bible study, you're just like, oh man, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm not worthy. I I, mean, I can't even do this. I just want you to understand that as the Jewish believers in the first century were being reminded they're being reminded of what Jesus did for them that no longer are they under the law or the condemnation of the law or the system of the law. Jesus comes to fulfill all of that so that you and I can be free. He's not condoning our sin. He's not saying, "Hey, just go and sin because I got to cover." You know, it's not it's not that kind of uh, mentality, but but for once and for all, listen, our Sins past, our sins right now, no sins in the future. Because I promise you this: in two weeks, you're going to commit some sin and you're going to forget to ask for forgiveness. How many know that? How many don't raise your hands? I because I already know you have forgotten to ask for forgiveness for many of the sins in your life. Probably most of them. So, so this understanding, and it's not wrong to ask for forgiveness for sins. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying the sacrifice of Jesus once and for all made us perfect. Every part of our lives, we are not holy because of our goodness, because of our righteousness, because of our church attendance or our giving or our anything. We are made right with God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. We are kept right with God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. It's not our works that any of us could boast but it is by the grace that we have been saved because of the gift and the sacrifice of Jesus. So that's number two. Number three, let's go. Jesus is our victor. Okay, now this is again, first century, they're being persecuted. We know this from chapter 10. If you read, when we get to chapter 10, they were persecuted, thrown in prison, killed for their faith. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, I, 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 know, I know you're struggling. I just want, I want to remind you. I want to remind you that Jesus is our victor. Chapter 2, again, verse 14 and 15. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying, listen, could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of of dying. In other words, the fear of, of man, what, um, what, what happens to me when I die? The fear of not being made right with God. Now, 1 Corinthians, Paul again, that's, that's why I think Hebrews is really uh, v- closely associated with Paul in my opinion. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, here's what Paul says about this, um, uh, speaking of the resurrection of the dead. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Listen to this. For sin is the sting that results in death. The wages of sin is death. Sin is the sting that, that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. In other words, here's the law. We can't meet the law. And so sin is so powerful because we here's the standard. We can't even get close. We try, and some of you think you are. You are fooling yourself. You are not even close. We keep going. We keep, listen, here's what Jesus did. Gives sin fire, power, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, this is good news. This is the good news of the gospel, that we have victory over sin. All those sins that I've seen you commit this week. Right, All those sins that we have committed and said and attitudes and, and, and pride and, and greed and lust and all those things. God, God has given us victory over every one of those, not because you quit it, but because Jesus paid the price. Right. And he becomes victorious over sin that we could not do. There's many things that we can do. You ever thought about this? That, I mean, that the ingenuity of man is an unbelievable concept. That we can build skyscrapers 40, 50 stories high or whatever they are. I mean, it's crazy when you think about that. Now, those of you who are builders think, think, ah, it's no big deal. I can do that. Well, it's crazy what we can do. Fly 30,000 feet. Go to the moon. Rockets. Have you seen Top Gun. Mock 10. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's amazing that we can do some of those things. I don't know if that was true or not, but, but it's amazing what we can do, but there are two things that we cannot do. And we cannot stop sinning, and we cannot stop dying. You can search the whole world over, and some of you have gone to South America, and some of you put it all over your face, some water from somewhere, thinking that it's gonna, you're never gonna age. Listen. I've already tried that. It don't work. We're gonna age. Two things that you and I cannot do. Cannot defeat sin. We cannot defeat death. No, 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 no. Go back. Go back. You didn't, she didn't read my mind. Chrissy? But thank God. So can, you, can we all just say that together? But thank God. He is our victor. Number four. Let's go. Number four. Jesus can empathize. I think I've got six of these, but I told you five. I think i got six. Jesus can empathize with us. Now, this is huge. Jesus can empathize with us. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect, listen, like us, in every respect like us, In other words, temptation. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be mentally in turmoil. He knows what it's like to be emotionally in turmoil. He knows what it's like to go hungry. He knows what it's like to walk in our shoes. In every respect, like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could bear our, so he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. In other words, he stands before God and says, Hey, I know what they're going through. I know, I know that difficulty. I know that temptation. I know what they're going through. And he, he is our faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people since he himself has gone through suffering and testing. He is able to help us, empathize with us, relate to us, understand us when we are being tested. One more, Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest, speaking of Jesus again, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands, empathizes, relates with our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, and yet he did not sin. So let us go or come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That is good news. He can empathize. So guys, never think that you're walking through your valley of the shadow of death. Never think you're walking through your situation or your circumstances alone. That, that, that God is a million miles away and, and you, have you ever prayed these prayers and you don't think he hears them? You ever prayed these prayers and I think they're going to the ceiling and coming back down. It's like, man, he never hears me. He never answers my prayers. I don't even know where he's at because he seems a million miles away. Well, just know that Jesus, who walked in our shoes, he, uh, John 1 says he, or the Message Bible says he moved into the neighborhood. He knows what it's like to go through the things that we go through and yet he did not sin. And because of that, now we have access to say and come to the, the throne of grace and say, God, I need you now. So never think that you're walking alone or that God does not understand, that he's looking down at you saying, you worthless little human, you can't even. He's looking down and Jesus Jesus is, is saying, hey, 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 I know, I know, I know what it's like. I've walked in that. I've walked in that man this is good news for, for us as, as they, they're getting good news and encouragement for their faith in the first century we're getting reminded again and again of, of the, the betterness and that's another word this theme of Hebrews is better than anything Jesus is and and it's it's a good reminder for us in our situation. Number 5, and, and and I'll go through this one quick. Jesus is greater than Moses. And the reason I put this in there is because it's actually in chapter 3 and and I felt like we just can't skip the whole chapter. But he makes this case. And the reason he makes this case again is is because he's of who he's writing to. And and Moses was like and I talked about this last week at Father's Day the, the Mount Rushmore of a biblical characters or or figures? Well I can tell you this, there could be some controversy of some of the ones that I put on the, 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 the TV last week but there are two of them, Abraham and Moses would not be controversial. Both of them would be on that Mount Rushmore because both of them were revered and still are in the Jewish faith. So what the writer of Hebrews is reminding them is that Jesus is greater even than Moses. And so, dear brothers and sisters, this is Hebrews 3. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest, For he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully. So he's not degrading Moses. He's just reminding them who is greater when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That is why the Holy Spirit says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. And we look back at this, right? If you look back at the story of Exodus, it's easy to look back at them and go, idiots. Right, I mean, seriously, it's easy to look back at them and go, are you kidding me? Because many of us would put ourselves in and say, if I saw a miracle like that, if I saw something like that, that, I mean, I would totally follow God. I would totally be, and yet we're just like them. We're just like them. The ancestors tested and tried my patience even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them and said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Okay, so let me put this quickly in the context. Is they're being reminded that Jesus is greater than Moses. They're also being reminded of the people who followed Moses and their unfaithfulness. And their propensity or their tendency to rebel, which is just like us. Let me go to verse 12 and 13 real quick as a warning, just an, another little warning. So be careful then. So we're looking back at them and we're just kind of, hey, they were unfaithful, man. I mean, They just really tried God's patience. They rebelled. They were stubborn. They were sinful. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other. That's what, guys, that's why we get together in small groups, Bible studies, classes, church. We get together to warn or encourage one another to say, hey, don't let your heart get cold. Don't let your heart get hard. Just because you're walking through divorce or just because you're walking through tragedy or just because you're walking through a difficult or challenging time, this is why we gather to encourage one another, just like he was encouraged, the writer was encouraging those early Jewish believers, we're encouraging each other, warning each other. Don't turn away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. And many, listen, many of us know people, and maybe you're here today, and I don't think it's by accident that you're here today to be reminded that many of us, because of what God didn't do, five years ago or what God didn't do 10 years ago or when we wanted him to do this or that and and it was like God, I don't understand and and your heart has grown distant maybe you wouldn't use the word hardened but maybe you would use the word distant let me encourage you don't hold those things because God always answers every prayer may not be the way you want may not be the way I want but he answers every prayer trust him we're being reminded of this as he, as he, you know, helps them understand the, the concept and the, and the reality that Jesus is greater than Moses. Okay, so I said all of that to get to this one. This last one is where I, where I want us to land because it's, in my view, one of the most fascinating themes of Hebrews. And it's in chapter 3 and 4, but mostly 4. Jesus is our rest. Let's read chapter four. God's promise of entering his, this is chapter, uh, chapter four, verse one. God's promise of, in, listen, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. That rest was the promised land for the, for the children of Israel being led out of Egypt by Moses into the promised land, but, but uh, actually Joshua was the one who led him in. But that promised land didn't, it just didn't turn out the way because of their hearts and because of their rebellion and because of their disobedience. So God's promise of entering rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of us might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it, but it did them no good because they don't share the faith of those who listen to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. For the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. And so uh, the people who sinned and, and rebelled against God that generation that left Egypt did not go into the promised land. They were not allowed in the promised land. They died in the desert because they had hardened their hearts. And they were not allowed to enter the rest. Even though the rest has been ready since he made, even though the rest, this rest has been ready since he made the whole world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. Now this is where it gets interesting. Stay with me. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. We call that the Sabbath. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God said another time. So God said another time for entering His rest, and that time is today. In other words, Jesus is our rest. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God, for all who have entered God's rest have rested from their, listen, rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. For the word of God is, listen to this, so we have taken, you've heard me say, quote this scripture, Hebrews 4.12, a thousand times in the last 22 years. Probably more than that. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts of the heart. Something like that, right? You've heard me say that. Now, did you know it was in the context of the Sabbath? Did you realize that in, in this chapter four of Hebrews, talking about the rest of God, the rest that the people missed, and the invitation to rest today. In that is, for the word of God is alive and powerful, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. What is that, Guys, do you understand that Jesus invites us in the chaos of our world right now, in the chaos of our country, in the chaos of your family, in the chaos of your mind, in the chaos of your heart, whatever's going on right now, Jesus invites us to the Sabbath. I was asked at a business meeting, we don't do business meetings anymore, thank the Lord, as a church, but if this was like 10, 12 years ago, and we did a business meeting. At the end, uh, I, I rookie mistake as a leader I asked for anybody got any questions don't ever do that at a business meeting but I say anybody got any questions it's in the old auditorium over there and, and uh, somebody in the bat raised their hand I said yeah yes ma'am and she goes when are we going to observe the true Sabbath because that is on Saturday the Bible is clear that the Sabbath is on Saturday and my first thought was I shouldn't have asked for questions. My second thought was, we had a Saturday night service. And at that time we had two, one at 4.30 and one at 6.30, 6. So we had one on Saturday. So I said, well, come to the Saturday night service. We, we're, we offer a Sabbath service. I was being a smart ally. But can I just tell you that Sabbath isn't a day. Sabbath is Jesus. And he invites us to rest. He invites us into the Sabbath. He invites us into this rest from our labor, not just physical, but he invites us to those of us who have been on this spiritual treadmill, in a wheel, trying to perform, trying to be holy, and, try, and it's not wrong to do those things. But guys, on your best day, on my best day, we can never be good enough. So I wish I had a stool that, that I could just sit down or, or like a lounge. Think of the, big, the, the best chair that you've ever sat in in your life. Think of that. And, and I want you to just rest today from your labor. Some of you, man, you're doing good and you're serving the Lord. You're going to classes and Bible study and you're reading and, and you're growing and you're, try, you're going to regen. You're going to re-engage for your marriage. You're doing a lot of good things. And man, I'm so, so proud and, and so happy for you because those, that's not work. You understand that? That's just, that's just growth. But some of you today are tired and you're weary and you are weighted down by the cares of your life and the cares of this world. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says, Come to me you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And what does he say? What does Jesus say? And I will give you rest. Would you allow Jesus to be your rest today? All of that I've said, and it's true. They're great points, the six points that I've mentioned, but I was more excited about this one because this kind of encompasses the invitation of God. And he's just telling us, look back at the history. Look back at all the people. They just didn't get it. Please. I have made this as easy as it's going to get. Jesus did all the work. He did all the labor. I just invite you to accept it and enter it. So whoever you are and whatever you've done and wherever you've been and however long you've been there and done that, He invites you to enter into his rest. And if you're a believer and you're saying, John, I already knew that. Well, you need to check your attitude. But secondly, you need to invite others into that rest as well. God, your word is alive and it's powerful. I talk about it all the time and it really divides between what we want and what you want. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's like, ooh, man. But Lord, in it all, it's, 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 it's not meant to make us work harder it's meant to invite us into what Jesus has already done and accomplished and that when we rest and we read scripture in light of the context of Hebrews 4 as we read scripture it helps us enter that rest that Sabbath so For every person who calls hope their home, here, maybe visiting, wherever we are, I pray that they would accept the invitation of the Father to rest in his Son, Jesus. In Jesus' name.